0: Hi there, Rockstar, and welcome to Stand Out, Get Noticed. I'm Christina Cantor's speaker, coach, and founder of The C-Method, where I help high-performing professionals and business leaders to build powerful communication skills. You can learn more at thecmethod.com. Now each week on the podcast, we address a different topic to help you build a success mindset, present yourself with confidence, build strong relationships, and be an all-round better human. You are very welcome to join our community on Facebook if you haven't already. Search for the group The C Method Rockstars or go to thecmethod.com slash community. We can't wait to connect with you in the group. Now, do you hate the idea of Selling. Whether you're a professional and you need to sell yourself and your ideas to management or when interviewing, or whether you're a business owner who needs to sell your products or services to clients, selling in some shape or form is a skill we absolutely need to have if we want to succeed in our career or business. But what if you see selling as being icky, pushy, arrogant, or something you're just not good at. As you're about to find out, there is a way that we can sell ourselves in a way that feels good and gets results. And it's not even called selling, it's called serving. And joining me on the show to talk more about this is the authority on cultivating a strong serving mindset. And it's the wonderful Farnoosh Brock. Now I'm so excited to be introducing you to Farnoosh this week. She is the founder of Prolific Living where she helps business owners, professionals and leaders how to choose selling over serving to build profitable, sustainable businesses. That's her speciality. She is a widely published author and has a new book coming out called *The Serving Mindset: Stop Selling and Grow Your Business*. And we'll be discussing some of the concepts in that book too today. Now, Funushi is very similar to me in that she comes from a technical background as well. She went from electrical engineer and project manager at a Fortune 100 company um, to becoming a business coach and entrepreneur. Now, full disclaimer, Farnoush is also my business coach. So I can tell you from my own experiences that the ideas and the concepts that she shares in her book, The Serving Mindset, and what we're discussing today, they absolutely work. And that's why I'm so excited to be bringing her on the show today to share all her wonderful words of wisdom and, and tips with you. You can learn more about Farnoush at farnoushbrock.com. Now, today on the podcast, um, we were talking about this concept of what is a serving mindset versus a selling mindset. We talk about identity and how to find the true value that you bring to your company and to your clients. Um, so if you really struggle with this idea of being able to sell yourself or talk about yourself in a way that feels good, then this is a must listen for you. We talk about so much so much juicy stuff in this episode. So, show notes for this episode will be at thecmethod.com slash farnoush. That's Farnoush spelled F-A-R-N-O-O-S-H. And I'll put links to the show notes and where you can find Farnoosh's book in the description of this of of your podcast app. Now, before we get to that conversation with Farnush, just a really quick announcement. Um, Applications for the online group coaching program have closed. I know I've been um, jamming on about this the last few podcasts about my upcoming group coaching program for women. Um, I'm so excited for it. It starts in two weeks' time, so applications have closed. If you missed out this year, if you missed out for this round of the program, keep on listening to the podcast because I'll keep you posted for when I run the next round of the program next year. So stay tuned or join the Facebook group where I'll be posting all the updates um, as well. Okay, now let's meet the wonderful Fanoush Brock. Now, when she first started her coaching business, Farnoosh also disliked this idea of selling. So my first question to her was, where did her mindset around selling originally come from and how did it impact her? Here's
1: Farnoosh. When I went to school in college, we as engineers, and I do talk about this in the book, we used to make fun of marketing and sales majors because we had such a prestigious intellectual major over <laughs> here, science and technology and engineering. And so that mindset, unfortunately, um, is how most of us look at selling. It is not As intellectual to be selling. It's not something we want to be involved with. And the same mindset carried me through what was a good, successful corporate career. But when I started my company, it did not serve me. No pun to feel that way about selling. And so explain what your, so tell us about your company. Sure, sure. So we started Prolific Living Inc. in 2011. And today I work with business owners, leaders, professionals, and uh, my specialty is right now to help them change the conversation they have with their prospects, with their clients that they hope to continue working with from selling to serving. And we also have a number of programs and products and books online. But when I started my program, I learned every aspect of Running a business, Christina, and I certainly tried to incorporate marketing and sales in the traditional sense into my business because I understood that it is a non, it's it's an essential, it's a non-negotiable, but it didn't feel good. And so the traditional ways of pitching or or the the sales tactics that come from a scarcity mindset, I would do them because I felt I had no choice and it did create some level of success, but there was this compromise that I didn't feel like it was at, I was at integrity. It didn't feel good.
0: Can we just dive deeper there? You mentioned scarcity mindset. Can you explain what that is and what was running through your mind as you were having these sales conversations?
1: Yeah. So that's that's a good one to go into because I see when we focus on a selling agenda, whether we do it overtly or at the back of our mind, in our subconscious, when we are in a conversation, we have a sales agenda. And that comes from focusing entirely on our own needs, which then compromises the needs of your prospect. And also it comes from the place of, oh my God, I have to close this client because who knows when is my next client? Uh, or my next prospect. And I use the word prospect, and that is just to define it. It's for people who have yet to buy from you. They may never buy from you. These are people who are interested in your products, and your services. And if you're in the professional world, and I do want to talk about that application as well, it's you, you are the brand. So the market is interested in you and the value you bring to the workplace. And so if you feel, who is in front of you, the opportunity in front of you is one of the few that you will encounter. You will feel a sense of um, mild panic, like you really need to grab it and have it. And that mindset is the scarcity mindset. It's the there isn't enough opportunity out there for me mindset, which really sets us up in a, in a poor way. And it, it's not attractive. It doesn't allow you to show up with energy, with, with creative energy, with your genius, which you possess. All of you do and to be able to be of service. It robs you of all of that versus the serving mindset, which fortunately I stumbled on some great role, role models in the coaching profession and I adapted this. I put it into practice because I was very skeptical at first, Christina, and I saw it work. And so did uh, the members of my mastermind at the time. We were just experimenting. And so the serving mindset is the Opposite of scarcity. The serving mindset shifts the attention from you, the person who, who is offering your gifts to the person in front of you, to their needs, to how you can help them in any way possible. And this is really good news if you're an introvert because we don't want the spotlight on us. We want the spotlight to be somewhere else so that we can relax and be of service. And you know how to be of service. You don't need to go to a class to learn, oh, this is how I serve. This is how I help. You know how to do that, but you feel that may not be enough. And so we have to resort to this selling technique. So in the book, I'm going to say this and then turn it over to you. But in the book, I talk about changing the mindset and then the approach from the selling, the scarcity, to the serving, the abundance. And the serving abundance, the way they relate is that you believe that If this person in front of you, this prospect doesn't work out, there is more than enough people out there who can more than use your services. And so you're, you're relaxed. You are, you are at your best. You are here to see if you can be of service, if it makes sense for them. If it doesn't, they move on and you are available for the next prospect with that abundant Mm. mindset.
0: Is that helpful? Yeah. Yes, for sure. Thank you for defining serving serving mindset and scarcity as well. Mm-hmm. So this could also apply to someone, say, in a job interview. Would you say? Hmm. Hmm.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Let's talk about that because the selling it applies to us all of us. Uh, you are selling yourself your own worth, your your contributions, your value, your ideas, uh, your insights, uh, or if you're in business, your services, your products, your brand, what have you. So if you are going for a job, if you're hoping to secure a new job and you are at an interview, if the thought in your head says, I really have to get this job, I really have to get this job. Nobody has called me for the last three weeks I need to get this job. There may not be another job for me. That is the scarcity mindset. And it's normal to feel that way. And I would say, if you are feeling that way, get curious about the influences around you. Who is making you feel that way? What is making you feel that way? Is it a certain website? Is it a certain person? Is it a certain cultural element so that you can at least become aware of it. But if you feel that way, you are in a scarcity place. And I promise you, no matter how brilliant you are, you will do poorly on that interview. And that's not fair to you. Can
0: you just share how, just dive into how, if when we have that scarcity mindset of thinking, oh, I have to get this job, I have to get this job. How does that manifest itself in how we communicate and show up?
1: Yes, great question. I knew you would ask great questions. <laughs> so yes, how what, what does that even mean? And I have to tell you, I come from a very technical background. So all of this, well, I was very skeptical with how a mindset can actually manifest in f- physical form and then actually affect my interview results. But I have experienced this where um, you you believe something and that belief it uh, changes your energy. It changes your uh, your voice, your tone of voice. You may not notice it, but your tone of voice, if you are normally enthusiastic, it's very hard to be enthusiastic when you are worried and in a place of scarcity. And so you show up to this interview with a brilliant resume, a, a great number of skills to bring to this job, but your voice if you're in person, your your eye contact it will be affected. Your body, your shoulders may droop. You may not you may not show up with uh with with energy, with zest, with um you know vitality, and the the, the uh, interviewer will pick up on that. Those are the intangibles that are huge deciding factors. There's some statistics about your body language being much much louder than the words and the tone of voice combined. So just your body language alone before you say anything, could decide how the interviewer will vote on you. And all of that comes from the beliefs that you carry with you. They are so powerful. As opposed to, if you go into that interview, believing, not just telling yourself, but believing deep down, if this is the job you are meant to have, you will have it. If not, a greater yet opportunity awaits you. And so you show up and you you are there to see how you can serve this interviewer and how you could possibly serve the employer they represent. So you are free of this outcome. You don't have to create a close here. You don't have to get the job. You just have to be your brilliant self and let the chips fall where they may. And you can only do that. You can only do that if you believe that there is plenty of opportunity out there for you. And if this is meant to work out, it will. So that's the application when we show up at interviews. Mm -hmm. I love
0: that. And something, something very powerful that you taught me was to, in order to overcome this scarcity mindset, was to love all prospects, yes or no. Mm -hmm. So to go into a conversation with a prospect and think to myself, whether they say yes or they say no or they say maybe, I still have so much love and compassion for them and I wish them all the very best in their journey and that really helped me to go into these conversations with a, uh, a strong abundance, you know, serving mindset.
1: Yeah. And you know, that's, that, that feels great for us because we want to feel good. Like uh, one of the main points I make in the book is I want to feel good and I want you to feel good about everything you do in your business or your career. But beyond that, Christina, what you just said, loving our prospects, whether they want to work with us or not, that creates this deep trust and connection with the person. It's, it's like a gift because it is so rare. And you will be surprised how many more opportunities that alone will bring you in in so many different ways, because it's not black and white. You know, you close, you win, you don't close, you lose, or you get the job, you win, you don't get the job, you lose. That's very black and white. There are so many, many ways that opportunities can can come back to you. You know, if you make an impression on your interviewer, but they just can't give you the job because there is a a criteria you do not meet, fine. This person, if you've made an impression, will speak highly of you to someone else and someone else and everything is so connected. Don't be surprised if it comes back to you in another way, in a bigger way.
0: Farnoosh, let's talk about value. I'd love to hear your thoughts around how we can better know the value that we bring to our clients or to our company um, in order to then be more effective at um, talking about what we do.
1: Yeah, fabulous question. So value is how you see yourself, how you see yourself and how you believe others see you or should see you. So for instance, if you are in the corporate world, let's take that example, and I spent a lot of time there, um, you may see yourself as just a project manager. I hear this phrase so much. I am just a project manager. That innocent-sounding phrase alone says you see your value as something that can be repeatable by others, that there, it has no uniqueness to you, that it is small and insignificant, and that you want to hide it. You don't even want to talk about it. So now you may not mean anything by that. It may just be a phrase you use, but the words you use do imply a lot and, uh, and you have to be careful. And so the value that we see this, the way we see ourselves is really uh, something that we I've never learned until I started my business and something I hadn't even thought about. And so one way that I like to encourage you to think about it, let's say you are willing, but you have no idea where to start. I would say, look at the work that you have done, say, in the past decade. And if you're too young, then think about the last five years, all right? And so think about the outcomes, results you have created in your business, in your career, at home, with your family, if need be. What are those values? What impact have you made in other people's lives? And be factual here. You don't need to be humble or modest. Be factual. If you helped someone get a job, if you saved someone's life, I know a lot of people do great things and, um, you know, mind pales in comparison sometimes, but whatever it is you've done, look at it. And then ask yourself, what is my value? Have I made a difference? How many differences have I made? And bring that whole of your experience into the value. And then look at it in the grander scheme. Where are you taking your career? Where are you taking your business? Where can you have your yet greater impact in the future? And how? Can you best position that value to people you hope to help in a way that doesn't diminish you, that shows you in the right light, if you will? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I know maybe I, I, I didn't make that as simple. I, I meant to keep it simple, but I really wanted to bring those elements that go into it so that you you really, um, you don't take my word for it. You really look factually at, Oh, you know what? I do make a difference. I helped my executive, uh, get, you know, a, a better, uh, a renewal on that proposal for our company. I had a direct impact on that. And that may be worth a million dollars, but more than that, your executive is happy. You made a difference to the company morale. What have you? See what you do for what it is. Don't diminish it. And then ask yourself, what am I worth? If I can do that, what else can I do? And that hopefully starts to shift how you see yourself. It's not everything because this is so deep and wide. We're just kind of, you know, at the the surface level, but at least it hopefully makes you pause and reassess that beautiful value that you bring.
0: Yes. One of my clients recently had an opportunity to um, go for or apply for a, a senior management role at her work. And she was told, you're giving a 90 minute presentation to management. You got to put together a slide presentation, blah, blah, blah. So she spent all weekend putting this long document together with all of her achievements, her values, her approach, why she's the best person for the job. And it took her a long time. And then when I spoke to her next and I, in our session and I asked her about how, how it went, she said, you know what the best part was? Putting together that presentation of all of my accomplishments and my achievements. She said, actually, it helped to build up my confidence a lot, simply going, like reflecting and looking at all of the things I'd achieved. Because doing that enabled her to see all the value that she brought to the company so that when she went into that presentation, she was able to talk about herself, um, really confidently. Yes. So it was incredible to, to see that. And she said, she said to her, um, my, my other client and they work together and and she said, you know, you should do the same thing. Even if you, you don't have a job interview coming up, but write down all the things you've done. So I, I love that you mentioned that Farnoosh, yes. because I think so often we discount our achievements or we achieve something and we just push it aside and go, okay, next thing. Yeah. And we don't take the time to relish in what we've
1: actually accomplished. No kidding. No kidding. I mean, I do that too. And uh, my husband has to stop me and say, you do all these things or he has to remind me. And I'm like, you know what? I do. That is brilliant. I am brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> but then I am rushing to the next thing. And so, no, I mean, it is a training. It is a retraining to appreciate and celebrate who you are. And more than that, to position yourself accurately when opportunities present themselves. Because our hope here with this conversation, one of them anyway, is that you change the way you see yourself if you're not seeing yourself in the best light and Understand why you are of higher value, of higher self-esteem, of a higher contribution level than you are giving yourself permission to so that you're more confident going for that next opportunity or capitalizing on the opportunities right in front of you. So, It does feel good, of course, absolutely. And I love that story with your clients. And also it it works in, um, in raising the level of success and fulfillment you create in your work, in your business, in your personal lives. So there is a lot of Encouragement I like to give you to really reassess that it's. It may sound small, but it is paramount how you see yourself, the value, the the, the labels we give ourselves that we need to reassess the identities and also mm. how we show up as a result to the world.
0: Can we touch on identities? Sure. Um, we've mentioned it. Let's go a little deeper because this is so powerful. Um, doing this, going through this exercise has helped me a lot. Good. Um, uh, can you talk a little bit about how when we see ourselves as a certain identity, it actually prevents us from moving forward?
1: Sure, sure. I mean, I feel that the identity piece is uh, is not entirely fixed. So, for instance, um, you started as an architect, Christina. I started as an engineer. Uh, and after that, we had our careers and then we started our businesses. And so if we held on to that identity of I am just an architect, I am just an engineer, I happen to be running a business here, but I'm just this because that's my identity which was true when I was in engineering school, but it wasn't, it's not today my only identity. It cannot be because I am also running a business. I am coaching people. I'm writing books and you're, you know, doing all the things you're doing, which is beyond an architect identity. And I think the thing that gets a little. Um, tricky for people is that they believe if they trade that architect engineer identity, so forgive my examples, you may have been whatever else, right? Or you may have started as whatever career. If you give that up, or rather you feel you have to compromise that in order to be more, in order to be a business owner, in order to do accounting in your business, in order to go become a speaker, and I talk about how that is not the case. You are expanding that identity and you're adapting it to your day-to-day activities today versus five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And that is okay. You're allowed. You you are allowed and capable, intellectually capable to be many things and be very good at them. And so that's kind of how I approach the identity piece of this, because it does play a role in serving, um, versus selling. And it definitely plays a role in the value, which we just finished touching upon.
0: So just to clarify, if someone has identifies as being one particular type of person and they're, going, let's say, you know, oh, I'm an architect. And so I'm a, I'm a designer. I'm a creative. I'm not a salesperson. If that's the identity that then when it, when we go into a, a prospect conversation, does that then, that will then impact us in our ability to serve because we're in there thinking, oh, I'm not a salesperson. Yeah, yes. So there's no way I can do this well.
1: Yes. Yes. And that phrase, I, I really discourage you from ever using it. In fact, you know, my approach is just forget selling. You're not here to sell. Let the selling take care of itself. So you don't need to be a sales A person at all. But yes, anytime you, you disqualify yourself that way, first of all, it is extremely unattractive to the person in front of you. You may think you're being humble, but I think what happens is we actually come across as less qualified, as less of a professional. You know, if you're not good at sales, but you're running a business, would I really want to hire you? Like if you don't, if you're giving me the impression that you don't know how to do this part of business, I don't know. I mean, somebody else might, but I would actually pause. So be careful what you say. But yes, that mentality certainly isn't true at all because your ability to serve and help people is perfectly solid. And, um, you, um, you know, you just show up and you do it. But, um, I feel that anytime you disqualify yourself, you are doing yourself a huge disservice
0: course oh it's like when people get up to speak and they say oh I'm not good at public speaking (gasps) and like they open a speech with I'm not good at public speaking or oh this is my first time public speaking and it's like well why should we listen to you if you're not good at public speaking like you're just basically telling us yes don't bother listening to me but it's like Mm -hmm. you're up there to speak someone's asked you to speak so clearly someone else thinks you're qualified to stand
1: up there. So why are you telling us that you're not qualified to stand up there? And you know what? I do get it. I do get it. And I really want to just, you know, point the finger at our cultural conditioning because we think we're, I feel that part is a call for sympathy. Like we are saying to our audience in that example, Christina, please have sympathy with me. Don't judge me. I'm not a good speaker. I want to put this disclaimer out there. And. And in, instead, it has an unintended impact. You know, we we will we, we look at you a different way. We, we, we lower our expectation. We wonder if maybe this might be wasting our time. It doesn't have the intended uh, intention, but I think it's a call for sympathy. And I have compassion for people who do that because they don't know any better. They don't know how that is hurting them and not helping them. And so I hope your listeners take that on and then kind of do a self-assessment. Do I do that? You might be surprised, you may not even know because so you're so used to using certain phrases in your speech, you don't even hear it. And so it's good to ask a friend we trust, do I use this language? Do I come across as disqualifying myself all the time? And let them tell you, and if you do, just, you know, give yourself a big hug. It's okay. But maybe start changing it and see how that change creates different results in your life. And if you like those results better, then go for it. You don't have to take our word for it, right?
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'm a big one for go go out and try it. Test something out Definitely. and see what happens. Exactly. Love it. Fandush, uh, we, we need to wrap up soon, but I do want to ask one more question. For, for people who are listening to this and they're feeling inspired to get out there and start adopting a, a mindset that's going to serve them and serve the people they're speaking with, what, what would you say would be their first step? What's mm. one thing they can do moving forward?
1: Sure. I mean, we talk about mindset first in the book. So in the serving mindset, I talk about mindset. And by that, I mean the way you think. So it's really nothing that you do, it's just you You think about how you see selling, that, that, that element of the business, a very essential element of it, how do you see it? When you say it, when you think about the fact that it needs to be done, how do you feel? What are the words that you use? And um, are those words positive? Are they neutral? Are they negative? And so I would say you're doing a self-assessment first just to see where you are, where your thinking is rather. And we all know how we feel about something. You don't have to tell anyone, but you can be honest with yourself. And, um, And then ask yourself if that is helpful. And what is it that you need to do to change that? What are some options that you have? I really believe just starting with how you think about something. And this applies to anything in life. When you are stuck in some place, change the way you are thinking about it and get really curious about what other ways you could think about it and still achieve your results. So it's about being very much stubborn about your goals and where you want to end up, but being flexible with the approach. And if your thinking hasn't got you where you want to be, you can change that thinking. And if you like more of what I'm talking about, then I talk about that at length in the book where we really tackle the mindsets that you need to come from a place of serving and just forget about selling, but still do it in such a way that the selling organically happens if it's meant to be, if it's the right fit. Mm.
0: Love it. Thanks, Fanoush.
1: Yeah, you bet. So, I, so I know you, you talked a little bit about your book. Would you mind giving us a, a brief overview? Sure. And I'll do the short version because I know we need to wrap. So, it's called The Serving Mindset, Stop Selling and Grow Your Business. And we really talk about how you stop selling and how you adopt five mindsets, which then tackles all the associated limiting beliefs. What are the things you believe that are just not serving you well. And um, we talk about uh, the practical applications of these in your business career, your life. How do you actually take a mindset and apply it to, say, a dialogue, a conversation, um, a, an interaction, a relationship, and make it really practical because I'm all for practical, tangible, actionable and uh, we give you a lot of stories. Christina's story is in the book. Uh, I have some other case studies for you. And we have a lot of insights that I would say are rather unexpected because they were unexpected to me as I discovered them and also simple and accessible for you to apply. So I hope that helps. Um it, the public sh- publication date is November 6, 2018 and um I believe it will be available on online stores Amazon and Barnes and Noble um or you can just reach out for me to me and um I'll see what I can do to get you a copy. Love it. Thanks, Farnoosh. Where can people find you? They can find me at Prolific Living online on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and uh, Brock.com also uh, is my website or prolificliving.com. So lots of ways to find me. And I look forward to connecting with your listeners, Christina. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: You're very welcome. Thank you so much, Farnoosh, for joining me on the show.
1: Thank you. Cheers.
0: Big thanks to Farnoosh Brock for being so generous and sharing all of her wonderful insights with us this week. You can learn more about what she does and her work at FarnooshBrock.com or simply visit the show notes at TheCMethod.com slash Farnoosh. All the links will be in the description of your podcast app. Now, if you've listened to this episode and you've thought to yourself, Wow. I have a friend or a colleague who could really benefit from hearing this, who would love to learn how to start serving and stop selling. Then please do share this episode with them. Um, you can even get their phone out for them and show them how to subscribe to the standout get notice podcast. That would help the show a lot. Um, we're on track to hit a million downloads by the end of the year. And I would absolutely love for you to help uh, us to get there. That would be fabulous. So do share this with someone who you would also find it would be valuable. Um, It's a great way to show that you're serving them as well as helping the show. So thank you so much in advance from me. And that's all from me this week. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Keep on being awesome and I'll talk to you next week. My name's Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed.